Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. It's so wonderful to be connecting with all of you. I mean, I, I wake up some days, and I said this on the last show, Benny. Um, I got to pinch myself some days, you know, it's, it's just like really super amazing. And when I think about that, and I, and I've really been thinking about, you know, as I go back and reflect on, you know, what is, what is the book that I'm writing? I'm really lost. I'll just tell you. So all of y'all listen to me. I interview like I've interviewed 20,000 people over a 20 year period or something like that. But when it comes to writing my own book, I like, I don't even know. But then I get a book from Nicholas, Nicholas Pearson, who's been on the show before, who's actually one of the founding people that helped me get right with all my gemstones, just saying. Um, but then I get this really cool book. And it's, it's this, I, I think Jacob, you've got it, William, you guys, right? Just gonna hold that up right there. Um, Flower Essences from the Witches garden plant spirits and magical that's magical with a k-a-l herbalism nicholas pearson forward uh, and the forward in the book is really cool but here, let me just do this i just want to go here i just want to read this so you all get a sense of what we're going to where we're going to go in the next hour okay an exceptionally talented man whose words are beautiful as the flowers he explores nicholas pearson has now created a must-have book for anyone interested in spirituality magic and the subtle use of plants. Profound and engaging, this book is worthy and important addition to any flower essence library. That's Candace, Candace Covington. I want to say now, when you take that and you put that with the ancient, ancient, and I'm telling you folks, we call them witches, but man, back in the day, these were the healers. These were the people that showed up when other people were sick, when other people were wounded, when other people were fill in the blank, you can, whatever you want to call it. These are the people that showed up. They got their flowers. They got their gemstones. They got their rocks. They got their herbs. They got whatever they got. And they brought them together and they saved people's lives. Today, which is garden. I don't think in the time I've been alive, we have had more positive conversations about witches, not just about books, but even in our pop culture, blockbuster television series. It's almost a disappointment if in a blockbuster, anything like a Netflix or anything, the witch actually dies. It's just not cool anymore. But Nicholas, I want to thank you. Welcome to the show. We got a lot to talk about. You just probably have to unmute yourself and we're ready to go. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks so much for having me back. Let, okay, I'm going to go to this. I'm going to do it right now. There's so much in this book. 
that if it wasn't for the survival, if it wasn't for what you have in this book and what we learned, whether you're, whether you're indigenous in the Amazon or Peru or in Africa, it doesn't matter where you are. People learn to survive based on this knowledge. But now what I love about this, it's so beautiful to really bring in the alchemy version of this. And by the way, and I'm going to say this out there, you guys can email me and yell at me later. When Bill Wilson had his spiritual experience to get sober and create, along with Bob, Alcoholics Anonymous, when he's lying in that bed, Belladonna, you could go, you all go Google that if you think, Belladonna. I know it's like a cool word. I know it's like Belladonna. How did that heal this man? To then have him like wake up and be like crazy on fire, step away from alcohol and become that guy in the world. Nicholas, let's start with that. A couple of stories. That's just one little story that a lot of people in 12 step programs don't know, but that is a true story, right? I want to ask you this question. It is so time to bring the sexy back to flower essences. We have to be able to share more about this. In your words, describe the power of plant magic. Describe the power of really understanding and using that from the witch's garden. Yeah, well, there's, there's a big question. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Plant spirit medicine has been around since the very beginning of time. I mean, our, our, our first foods, our first nourishment, our first medicine, some of our first tools and shelters and dyes and implements all came from the world of plant. So the, the one thing that always fascinates me is when, when anthropologists and ethnobotanists go out into the field and work with indigenous peoples to learn about their, their native medicines, it, it always seems like it's a big surprise to anthropologists to find out how indigenous people have learned to work with plants. It, it's like everyone waits for them to say, oh, we use the scientific method. It was trial and error. We found out that if you give too much of this plant, bad things happen and not enough of that plant doesn't do anything. But the answer always comes from the relationship that humankind has with the world of plants and it's the spirits, the consciousness, the indwelling life force of the plant itself that provides the medicine, that provides the teachings. So here we are in the 21st century and there's this really big surge of interest in you know holistic health, but also a more magical life in general, as you talked about that, that massive boom in the portrayal of witches in media and you know, magic in general, just kind of reaching out to uh, a, a lost and otherwise disenchanted world as a whole. And for me, I think one of the pinnacles of working with plants comes through the use of flower essence therapy, which is, um, uh, you know, different to other approaches of working with plants. We're, we're working with the vibration inherent in them, the consciousness, the energy. It's not a phytochemical kind of thing. There's no real botanical material in a flower essence. And it gives us the ability to work on that really subtle level. So... I know a lot of practitioners who work with 
flower essences in a therapeutic context like they were originally kind of designed to be, there's this growing faction of people who are working with them also in a more magical sense, who are using them in kind of out-of-the-box ways to manifest not just healing, but maybe um, balance and confidence and uh, abundance and love and protection and anything else that we feel we might just need a little help in in life. And the great thing is that flower essences work very holistically. They kind of work at the root psychological level, the root soul level of whatever the, the issue or concern might be. And because they're almost like this mm, concentrated dose of the plant's spirit, we don't have to worry about the plant's body. It's, it's material elements, the, the chemicals involved in it. So flower essences are exceedingly subtle on one hand, but also extraordinarily powerful. And bringing them into my own magical practice has been a lot of fun because it has kind of opened the toolbox to be a lot wider than it used to be. I can work with plants that are hard to come by. Um, you know, this is a lot more sustainable since we don't have to traffic actual plant specimens and dried botanical materials around the world. Um, and then it also means that I, I can work with things that might otherwise be challenging, like belladonna, as you mentioned, can be really potent in its normal form, even as a homeopathic remedy, um, really has to be handled with care. But as a flower essence, because it's purely vibrational, it is safe for anyone to take. So I really like giving people access to tools that anyone can use. You don't have to be uh, an expert ethnobotanist. You don't have to know your, your, your chemistry really, really well. You just have to be able to tune in and, and find out what is the imbalance in your life and what plant ally is going to help you come back into balance. You know, one of the things that you talk about in the book, and I love the way you do this, you really bring the conversation together because you talk about witches and flower essences and the essence as potion, and you go on to talk about that. And you talk about the realm of medicine and divine and, and a diverse group of people. But when we start to think about, and, and I'm just going to be able to touch the surface today, when we start to think about the potentiality for transformation, and I use that term, Nicholas, and what I mean by that is transformation of body, transformation of mind, transformation of spirit, right? That This is really the place that has so much of what people can do to move along their soul path and their spirit path. I want to ask you this question. Um, as you were writing the book, were there any that you discovered where you said, oh, I knew about this, but I really didn't know this? Yeah, I mean, honestly, most of the flower essence profiles that are in the book, there are 100 different plants, 99 plants and one fungus that are in there. Most of them were things that I developed a relationship with through the, the work that laid the foundation for the book, whether that was going out into natural settings and making essences myself or enrolling in trainings with some really brilliant teachers and working with different lines and ranges of essences and, and sometimes just sitting back and going, okay, I've, I've got this thing that I want to work on for myself. And it seems like this essence is, is the right ally. And sometimes you get that right. And sometimes you don't, but um, I'd say they were all really kind of linked to my own path of self-discovery. There were a few that were really, we'll say vital to the, the writing process, the, the unfolding of this book. I, I did write it. Um, I started it shortly after the onset of the pandemic in 2020. I started it early that spring 
And Datura was one of the flower essences that I worked with very heavily. It's one of my favorite poisonous plants. It's a member of the nightshade family. And one of the key themes that it can help us with is a surrender to uncertainty, uh, which I think is something we all have to come to terms with under normal circumstances in life. You can't predict the outcome of anything. But especially with the level of uncertainty we've had, the, the growing sense of um, unrest, the you know, massive injustice that's been brought to light in so many sectors of the world, we, we're all kind of unsure of what comes next. And, and Datura allows us to just let go of expectation and surrender to that process of free fall, knowing that it is a transformational experience. Um, and different species of Datura maybe have their their different personalities we say, but they do all kind of have that underlying theme of helping address uncertainty. And you know what I love about what you said? Yes, there is a level of uncertainty. I want to also ask you about what the call to action was for you, because you could have written any number of books, but you obviously saw something that was needed right now, right now in the world, and you just touched upon it. Um, but there's so much more that you've included in the book. It's not just a book that outlines plants. You talk about plant spirit alchemy. You talk about anointing. You know, you talk about the idea of rituals and being able to really call in the energy of this. Um, you know, there's just so much here. How do we help people that may not know why they're drawn to something or called to something uh, like Bill W.? Belladonna, who knew, changed this, the entire landscape of things. But there are so many here that help us deal with everything from fear to stress, right? What have you discovered about the witch's garden and flower essences that people may need to know now to quiet the mind, right? To calm the heart. What in the book might address that? There are a number of different plant allies that we can work with to achieve that kind of internal quietude that we might crave in such a noisy world. Um, I have had a lot of success personally with white chestnut, which is one of the original remedies created by uh, Dr. Edward Batch, the founder of Modern Flowers therapy. The whole magnolia family is also really wonderful for kind of creating this, we'll say, inner space in which we can settle and, and allow ourselves to be, feel rooted and nurtured and supported. Um, another one that's uh, a lot witchier, we'll say, is aconite or monkshood, uh, wolfsbane, it's also called. And it's um, quite a deadly member of the buttercup family, ranunculaceae. But it's all about dealing with our relationship to the material world and the spiritual world. And you know, if we get too cut off from the material, we're too spacey, we're ungrounded, we don't relate to the world around us. So sometimes we work with this essence because we crave so much quiet that we can't deal with the noise whatsoever. And other times we use it because there's so much noise in our lives, we need a little bit more quiet. So it helps us find that kind of balance on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. uh, an another... Uh, more poisonous plant that kind of helps with maybe some of the things that we could be dealing with in, in today's world would be hellebore. So hellebore is another member of that same botanical family, the, the buttercup family. And one of the ways that I work with it is for like screen addiction. Um, when, when we've been so disconnected and we've had to deal with social distancing and working remotely and so many things, 
even if we weren't already addicted to our devices, we probably are now. Um, and it can help us just break the doom scrolling and, and just really be present for the sake of being present. It helps us get comfortable with silence and just acknowledge that silence exists. And maybe we need to take time to lean into it, or maybe we just have to make space for it and acknowledge that it's already there. So there are tons of other allies too that, that kind of come from that proverbial witch's garden that can help us in, in today's world. I want to let everybody know, uh, this is Nicholas Pearson joining me here today. Flower Essences from the Witch's Garden. It's fabulous. But Nicholas, how do people get a copy of the book and how do they find out more about you? I want to make sure people know how to do that. You can definitely get a copy anywhere that books are sold. Um, so whether that's your local independent bookstore, visit amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com, order directly from my publisher too at innertraditions.com. Um, and if you'd like to find me, I'm usually at The Luminous Pearl in most places online, whether that's uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and it's also www.theluminouspearl.com if you'd like to visit my website. Um, I want to ask you, I just got a text a question from one of our listeners and said, um, hi, Dr. Pat, would you ask, would you ask Nicholas if he could go back and comment on how to use flower essences magic for manifestation? Specifically, specifically, we shy away from money, but I really want to know how can I surround myself with things from his book that will allow the opening for more abundance? Great question, right? Absolutely, it is. Yeah, so boy. The, the simplest application for working with flower essences is to, they come in little dropper bottles like this. You put a couple drops, you know, directly in the mouth or in, in your favorite beverage of choice. And one of the essences that I like to work with for themes of abundance, and especially feeling worthy of it, is Buttercup itself. It seems like we've got a theme today, the Ranunculaceae group, um, which <laughs> often deals with our relationship to the material world and the worth and confidence and things that we, we feel we merit or don't in it. Um, so that would be a really great one to work with. I think... Uh, uh, another really helpful ally um, that we can do related to themes of abundance could be something like, oh, I don't know, um, there's so many to choose from. Uh, I mean, peppermint, anything in the mint family in general, because it grows so quickly, a lot of things that belong to that botanical family come under the rulership of the planet Mercury. We, we get the word mercantile and merchant from Mercury as well. So there's a strong relationship to money and commerce and movement of things. So we can work with a lot of mint family allies if we feel stuck stunted if we feel cut off or things are moving too slowly as far as abundance and manifestation goes there. Um, but I know traditionally mint at large is used for our financial well-being from a magical sense. And even though it's not the traditional uses for a lot of these flower essences, we, we can use them as substitutes in, in normal botanical magic. So rather than having to have a, a special incense or a tincture or something crafted from the, the physical substance, we can work with that vibrational remedy to tap into the gifts of the plant spirit, not just in the therapeutic context, but also to draw in that kind of more magical energy. Um, and there are tons of techniques that are outlined in the book, um, from applying them topically, diffusing them in your space. There are a handful of like, um, we'll say formulas or recipes in there for combining, mixing and matching different flower essences together. So you are going to find one in the book for, we'll say money magic and drawing in that level of abundance. And it combines a, a handful of different remedies that you could kind of mix together for a more holistic approach too. Um, another question came in. Hi, Dr. Pat, uh, would you ask Nicholas, there are so many ways to use flower essences. Can you ask Nicholas to talk about some of the ways, some of the ways he's described in his book 
as you say, Dr. Pat, pill, potion, or lotion? Which one is it? Oh, great question, right? It's like, do I burn it? Do I put it on my skin? Uh, does it matter, Nicholas? <laughs> you know, I think we're all going to be kind of predisposed <laughs> to something that we're going to enjoy. At, at yeah. the end of the day, if, if we don't enjoy the medicine, we won't use it, right? Right. So um, the great thing about essences is because they're so subtle, um, the, the real success comes from frequency of use and not quantity. So it's not the number of drops you take. I mean, if I, if I put a whole bottle down the hatch, it's no more effective than a couple drops. So what we want to do is make sure that we are experiencing the gift of the essence over and over and over again. Yeah, I'd say four times a day is, is probably sufficient. Um, more certainly can't hurt, but if we go less, we might not get the full benefit. So um, making yourself a little dosage bottle. So, you know, you take a, a half ounce or one ounce dropper bottle, put a couple drops in of each of the essences you want to work with and fill it with water and a preservative of your choice. You can carry that with you. Take a few drops as you go. I love to diffuse them in my space. There are a few ways that you can do that. If you've got an essential oil diffuser, add them to your favorite essential oil. The essences themselves have no aroma, uh, but they do kind of broadcast their energy into the space. You can also take a clear quartz cluster um, that you freshly cleansed and maybe program it, set the intention that you want it to, um, you know, carry the essence of energy, and then just put a couple drops of your favorite essence on there. That's another way to kind of bring in that environmental application. Um, but I mean, really the the ideas, the ways to use them are limitless. You can add them to the bath. You can put them in your food and beverage. You can apply them to pulse points or acupuncture points. Uh, one of my brilliant colleagues and teachers um, has an entire system called that she calls floral acupuncture that takes mm -hmm. those batch remedies and puts them on specific points on the meridians. And it's such a powerful methodology. So um, because they're a, a subtle or vibrational method of healing rather than something that is uh, you know, chemical oriented, we have more options for how we want to use them. And really, I think it's all about finding the one that matches your lifestyle back. Yeah, I love the way in the book, you, 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 first of all, you bring us on a journey, and you explain a few things to us, you know, what is this, you know, is this a bomb? Is it a bane? Is it a tree spirit? So you explain things to us, you also give us an idea on how we can look at things, you know, are we in green uh, familiars, but then you talk about the deciphering of the language of flowers. And I found this really fascinating, because it addresses a number of things. There are some people that are drawn to a specific color of flower. And a lot of times they'll blow that off and dismiss it. But when I read your book, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, maybe they're drawn to a color of flower because it's something that speaks to them at a personal level. And then if they could do that, then your book will help them maybe understand why that is. But, you, you know, this was a very insightful uh, conversation you have in the book about the importance of really, I love the language, deciphering the language of flowers. Because then I thought, oh, Nicholas is saying that flowers have a language, right, Nicholas? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. 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 And color is just one part of that language. Smell may be another. Texture and touch may be another. Right. Um, how can people use those attributes? Right. Because sometimes people will feel a rose and it doesn't matter what color the rose is. Just the feeling of the rose does something to them. Other people. I have a friend that loves purple iris. Love 
loves, 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 loves. I'm telling you, no rhyme or reason, no past life story, loves it. And it's interesting to, to watch her and hear her. She doesn't want you to get her a different color. Please don't get her other flowers. It's this flower. That's a strong association. What do we think is going on there with Linda? <laughs> I can talk about her. Well, you know, the, the language of flowers, um, that, that expression comes from the Victorian notion that you would send social cues or messages uh, by presenting someone with flowers. And so every, every different flower, every different color, every type or species or cultivar had its own message or meaning. But even this draws from something that is much, much older. And it refers to something um, that we describe as the doctrine of signatures, which has very ancient roots, but certainly became formalized around the time of Paracelsus and the medieval period. Um, but we see the classical and, and ancient Greek, you know, physicians and philosophers talking about yeah. the same thing where essentially the the medicine itself is encoded symbolically uh, in a way that tells us exactly what it does so when we're working with flower essence therapy if we want to know what kind of emotional psychological intellectual even spiritual patterns that a flower addresses we can take clues from the gesture of the plant itself what is the flower shaped like? What kind of color does it have? How many petals does it have? Um, does it grow upright? Does it sprawl? Is it a vine? What are its leaves like? What is its roots like? And, you know, we, we, we kind of take all of these things together and it almost tells us a story about what the plants have to offer us. Sometimes we can look at things from like a whole botanical family. Just about anything in the rose family has a very characteristic flower shape. As long as it's not a, a fancy cultivar, it's got that typically five-petaled flower with the, the hypanthium, this kind of whorl of stamens in the center that kind of spirals there. And there are clues that we get from these sorts of things that, that tell us something about the nature of its flower essence. So if I were particularly attracted to a particular flower over and over again, I might stop to think about, hmm, well, what does its color say to me? What do I get from the symmetry of its shape or the, the number of petals that it's got? Um, what about the habitat in which it grows is going to tell me something about this plant's personality? Maybe it echoes something in my own personality. Maybe it represents something I'm striving to attain. And those would be the kinds of ideas that I would contemplate. We're going to take a short break, Nicholas, but when we come back, I want to talk with you about, uh, I think that you refer to them as three different kind of plant spirit allies. But more importantly, I want to introduce people to now how you've outlined, you know, the, the parts of the book that really talk about specific flowers, specific things, because you don't just end with the conversation about this is an iris, this is what it does. You say, oh, this is the elementary signature of it, the elemental signature. This is the planetary signature of it. This is the chakra. This is the magical uses. So when we come back, I'm going to use the iris as an example of that just for Linda. Those of you out there, are you drawn to a flower? Is there something that you would like some more information on? 1-800-930-2819. Is there anything in this arena that we're talking about flowering plants that you just can't get enough of and you don't know why? Let's take a short break. We'll be right back with Nicholas Pearson taking your questions. Plant Spirit Allies. Oh my. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
Have you heard about shifting the collective vibration and consciousness on the planet? Join me, Kimberly Barrett, on the Sharing Love and Light show every first and third Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern at TransformationTalkRadio.com to explore the depth of vibration and consciousness on our planet and learn how you can shine your love and light. To learn more, visit SharingLoveAndLightShow.com. Tune in to Knowledge Book Radio with host Marge Patasek the fourth Tuesday each month at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Through many experiences, Marge was led to the Knowledge Book, a gift to humanity in its transition to the golden age that provides truth and answers. She now shares information from the Knowledge Book with you monthly on TransformationTalkRadio.com on Knowledge Book Radio. For more information, visit USA.TheKnowledgeBook.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Pat. I'm the host of the Dr. Pat Show, and I am the creator of the Transformation Network, doing what we do in the world of positive radio, informed, educated, positive media. Independent radio hosts and independent networks have been the face of positive messaging over the past decade. So all of us here have decided we're going to put together an independent network that is going to enable people to bring their positive message of hope, inspiration, and conscious action to the forefront. Help us create a future of amazing, uplifting stories that can be told so we can tell our children and they can tell their children of what hope and conscious action is all about. I want to thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Sometimes being human has its challenges. Our physical health falters, our spirits sag, our dreams don't immediately come to fruition. Welcome to the power of Maximum Medicine Radio. Join me, Doc Martin, in conversations that will blow your mind about healing. In our hit show, Doc Martin addresses the scientific with bridging to the mystical approaches to give you a new narrative about Maximum Medicine. In this live call-in show, we will journey into the extraordinary genius of the human body and talk about other beliefs that impact being your multidimensional self. We seek the seen and the unseen and explore the earthbound and the otherworldly, all with the purpose of calling forth the maximum you. To learn more about Doc Martin and Maximum Medicine, visit www.SharonMartinMD.com. I can see, I get that seal. Thank you, Benny. And that is from Batman and the Batman movie with Nicole Kidman, I think. I don't want to fact check me, somebody. William, you'll have to fact check me on that. Um, for those of you tuning in, having a great conversation, really great. It really, it, it's so cool to have Nicholas back. He, he has such the funnest job, right? You could tell it's more than a job. His latest book is really pretty much all inclusive. It's so well done. And, you know, for somebody like me that wakes up the day, has something going on, I think, what do I need to do? What do I need to shift in my environment? Of course, all of his gemstone books help me create what I've got going on behind me. But this is really interesting because I've been really looking at 
essential oils that I'm burning, flowers that I want to bring in my house. And, and now I understand why. Um, Nicholas, before we just kind of rock on here and talk about Plant Spirit Allies, how do people find out about you? How do they get a copy of the book? All of the above. I'm usually pretty easy to track down at The Luminous Pearl in most places on social media or www.theluminouspearl.com. And the official release date for the book is a week from today. So yeah. hopefully you'll find it in your local bookstore. If not, you can grab it online anywhere books are sold. And it's Flower Essences from the Witch's Garden. This is the kind of book that, so I have, a, I have books that I keep out and there's like a row of them. This is the book that, I, that I'm going to put on this table right over here because I find myself wanting solutions and I don't know where to begin. Like Nicholas and I were just talking about my obsession with Juniper, but I'm even more interested if we could start out by talking about plant um, spirit allies. I love that term, plant spirit allies, like PSA, <laughs> like a PSA announcement. What are plant spirit allies? Tell us about this. So I think a lot of your listeners might be familiar with the idea of having like helpers in spirit. Maybe we call them angels or guides or ascended masters. And lots of different cultures have acknowledged that we have this whole ecosystem around us. That's not just the material kind of ecosystem, the plants and creatures and other things around us, but there's a spiritual ecosystem too. And one of the key players that we find in most environments are the consciousness of the plants themselves. So we can go into our backyard or a local park or anywhere else where green things grow and connect with them on like a soul level to meet the, the nature of the plants. Um, and I think that over time we start to recognize that there are certain helpers from the plant world that are eager to work with us that maybe represent our, our personal gifts or even sometimes our, our personal healing opportunities, the things we most need in life. So plant spirit allies are those spiritual beings that come from the world of plants who are there to support us on our journey. We, you know, it might be a plant we know well from our neighborhood or garden. It might be something we've never quite met before. Maybe it is something that we're familiar with in uh, aromatherapy or in traditional herbal medicine. Maybe it's a flower essence that we work with often. But however we choose to work with them, they can be really the kind of like the, the missing ingredient in our healing journey when we work with plants. Because at the end of the day, if we're involved in like magical herbalism in particular, and even medical herbalism, it's not just the physical substance that's doing the healing, but it is the consciousness or life force of that plant that's involved in that process. And with flower essences, that is the only part we're working with, the consciousness of the plant. So when we tap into that, we get the most out of that relationship, which is why the, the book spends so much time talking about our plant spirit allies. Um, once we have an understanding of this too, I mean, then we can start to go deeper. And I, and I, just, wanna, um, I just wanna reference what I, what I talked about before when I talked about the iris, because this is going to be helpful to people that are thinking, okay, yeah, it's, it's a very comprehensive book. It really is. But it's also a reference guide. I mean, especially after you go through and we look at some of the quite informative tables you include in the book, but also the way you break things down. You know, you talk about the classification of Bach remedies. But let's just let's just dig. I'm going to go to the page on the iris because I was so curious about this. Linda being my best friend for a really long time, like since 1972. She's also one of our producers. And I've just watched her appreciation for iris. And and I didn't quite understand it. But in the book, the way you do this, 
is you say, well, Iris, let's give you an elemental signature, which in this case is water. Let's give you a planetary signature, which is moon Mercury. Let's give you a, a, a zodiacal or zodiac, however people say it, zodiacal signature, Leo, chakras, solar plexus, throat, crown. Really interesting when I saw that. Magical uses, love, luck, money, inspiration, beauty, power, peace. And then you go into therapeutic indications. And I was so fascinated by this because every flower has that mini description. And then you go on to talk about it. So let me ask you about the opening paragraph, okay? I'm going to read it. It says, irises compromising the genius of the same irises compromising the, the not, it's not genius, it's genus. Iris compromising the genus of the same name account for nearly 300 species of flowering plants, a wide range of colors. And then you go on to talk about them. But you also then reference a Greek goddess. So this is why I wanted to reference the book, because this is not just a conversation about a flower or a plant. It's really very cool because you give us into other insights. Like you talk about the iris that draws from the symbolism of the rainbow. Let's talk about this and your approach to this because of course it's not a simplistic, this is the flower, this is what you do. You've really taken quite a holistic, almost historical description to help people, right? For sure. A, a lot like how in my work with gemstones, I kind of unite folklore and mythology with um, the geology underpinning things and then how we use it in modern crystal healing. I've, I've taken a similar approach to working with flower essences. So a lot of the literature on flower essences is very much, here's the plant, maybe here is a short description of it. And this is, you know, one line about how it's used in flower essence therapy, because the original writings of Dr. Edward Batch from almost 100 years ago are, are very simple like that. And it's a beautiful thing about this system of healing. It doesn't require an encyclopedic knowledge to make it work. But sometimes if we want to understand the how and why of things, we can look more deeply into the cultural, historic, and even botanical clues that are right there, like we talked about with the language of flowers and the doctrine of signatures. There's also some of that stuff that's encoded in the history of the plant. So if we look at the iris, for example, it's named after the Greek goddess of the same name, who is the messenger of the gods. Um, this particular flower essence is used when we're having difficulty getting our message out. So if you have some sort of creative block or communication block, we can work with iris flower essence to kind of find the right words, the right medium for conveying what we're trying to get there. One of the other fundamental symbols that the rainbow represents is one of hope, one of inspiration, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, it's, it's what appears after the storm passes. So we might take this if we feel a little bit discouraged, or if we feel kind of cut off from that source of hope that dwells within us, because we've been so stunted with our message, if we just feel lackluster, uninspired, it is a really great essence to work with. And some of the other folklore that's related to iris deals with its use in um, like magical herbalism. Some varieties are used in drawing love, some in money, many are used in cleansing and consecration. We might work with the flower essence in lieu of the actual root of the plant or uh, an essential oil derived from it to do a lot of these same things. And that's what extends beyond ordinary flower essence therapy and into the magical territory. And, and there is a common thread to all of these things. And it comes from that space of the, the connection 
that we see in that beautiful rainbow arc across the sky and the way it bridges things. It draws that holiness of consecration into our environment if we want to use it for cleansing or clearing. Um, it helps to clear away creative blocks just as easily it can clear, clear away things like resentment or frustration. Um, and that makes Iris a, a really well-rounded ally for anyone who's involved in the artistic field, anyone involved in communication. Um, so I could, I could see how someone involved in producing a show might yeah. have a great ally in Iris. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I want to ask you this question. I know that there's a, a little time left. What would you say are, and this, this is just me, there are certain flower essences and, and, you know, definitely when we talk about the witch's garden, that seem to be making a comeback. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, they've been around forever, but all of a sudden, here we sit, and some of these have become more popular than they've been in a while, right? And how do I know that? I mean, it's kind of like when I talked to Sarah Main. She is an, a Sanskrit uh, expert. I mean, teaches the whole thing. She knows Sanskrit. So she knows what Sanskrit words are being said now, right? There's an energy. What would you say from where you sit? What are some of these, uh, how should I call them? flower essences in the witch's garden that seem to be coming to the forefront right now from what you're experiencing? There are so many different flower essence makers around the world. I mean, you, you literally have tens of thousands of options when it comes to individual essences that you can go out and buy, let alone make in your own backyard. I would, I would say that in the more magical sphere, working with uh, the poisonous plants, a lot of the nightshades and, and other things that we stereotypically think of as in the witch's garden, um, are things that we're seeing a big resurgence of interest in, um, not just in a magical setting, but also as flower essences, because it's the safest way to work with these poisonous plants, because we're not actually ingesting the flower, the plant, or any part of it. Um, so we're talking things like belladonna and mandrake and um, bittersweet nightshade and black nightshade and datura, and then maybe some of the gentler members of the nightshade family still kind of can build a bridge there. So things like tobacco and even potato and tomato are all members of the same botanical family. And I think that this particular family is so good at addressing primal things like fear, uh, like hesitation, um, dealing with a sense of embodiment, dealing with patterns of guilt and shame. If you crush the leaves of most nightshades, you get a really unpleasant aroma, which is a sharp contrast to the really heady kind of scents that we get from flowers like Angel's Trumpet and Datura that have such beautiful aromas. Um, and that's kind of the, the dichotomy that we see here in the nightshade family. So uh, I, I definitely see a really big surge of interest in the more baneful or toxic plants being used as flower essences. Originally, when Dr. Batch created the system of flower essence therapy in the British countryside in the early part of the 20th century, he mostly chose to avoid toxic plants because he wanted a system of medicine and healing that anyone could use without having to exercise caution. But now that we've really explored the ins and outs of how to produce these kinds of remedies, we've got people making them from many different plants. And there's a really big kind of uh, popular surge with these these poisonous plants because it might be the only way that's safe for some people to work with them and that's the great thing about the essences because they're not going to interfere with anything else that we're doing in our lives because it's not working at a biochemical level it's only vibrational in nature yeah um 
I love talking about this because I think there are patterns of discovery in life. I think we go through different life events, different things that happen. For example, the most popular colors right now that are being used in so many places are the color of the Ukraine, right? You know, the blue and sure. those colors that's coming to the forefront. Um, I got to interview a parliamentary member about a week or two ago, Uras, who's, um, you know, Mr. Uras, who is now out in the field with a gun on the front line. But, you know, there are things we're drawn to for different reasons. We're, pe we're now drawn to like looking at what can I surround myself that will bring a level of peace that maybe will generate peace for the world. So I want to ask you this question in the minute, minutes we have left. Sometimes we bring these into our lives for ourselves, right? like sacred geometry or other things like this, but then sometimes we bring these in these life for others. How do we use the flower essence from the witch's garden to create energy or um, how should I say, uh, transformational experiences for others or other places or things like war, right? Things that may be going on, you know, how, how do we do that? And what would you suggest? Well, the nature of working with flower essences is a really deeply personal one. So um, it's one of those things where having someone's conscious participation is what's going to really see the most results from it. And I, I'd say most flower essence practitioners and teachers and writers are going to encourage someone to do that kind of inner work exploration for themselves. So we can't really always do this on behalf of someone. They, they, they have to consent to putting the drops in their mouth or, or anything else. But if we wanted to come at it from like a, a wider kind of more meta level, ways that we can work with plant spirits as a whole, maybe not just flower essences, we might consider certain plants that represent hope, that represent solidarity, that represent surviving, um, that could be really useful. And maybe we'll work with the essences, take them in meditation and kind of get that energy in ourselves and hold space for others to reach that. We, we can't give everyone on the face of the planet, you know, two drops of the same flower essence at the same moment. That'd be great if we could. I think the world would change <laughs> in an instant. Um, but we could maybe meditate on themes of hope, healing and peace for the planet at large by first and foremost, cultivating those qualities within ourselves. It's, it's like the quote from Gandhi, be the change you want to see in the world. So if I want to see more resilience, more hope, more peace, uh, more cooperation in the world, I have to really bring those things into my space first. Um, yeah. And I think maybe working with something like the Magnolia family, whether that's Southern Magnolia, one of my favorite uh, flower allies that I work with, or any other member of this family um, can be great because this is a truly mm. ancient botanical family has been here since the dawn of time and that it will continue well into the future. And since it has weathered so many changes and upheavals, working with one of these really ancient plants can help us stay rooted in the past and mm -hmm. understand that we can do that while still rising upwards. I mean, if you look at the shape of a magnolia tree, it makes this kind of strong pyramidal shape as it reaches up to the heavens, but it can only do that when it's firmly rooted at the same time. So this is a, an essence that can ground us during periods of upheaval and change and transformation, and it does it lovingly. It does so almost maternally to help kind of heal that inner child within. So maybe working with an essence like that and just holding space for the world at large. We can't, you know, I, I, I can't put enough drops in the whole world's water supply to change everybody all at once. 
but I can work on me. And hopefully that will create ripples outwards. And that's the best way we can hold space for others while working with the essences. Hmm. Um, you know, a couple more things that I think are really important. We've talked about a lot here, Nicholas, but I'm sure I've left some things out. I wanted to ask you, you know, for you to just talk more about really this book coming forward now and what your vision is, how people might benefit from this in ways that we haven't talked about already. Thank you. So, you know, one of my big hopes is that people who are already in the magical arts are going to look at plants in a different way. They're probably the ones already predisposed to working with plant spirits and so on and so forth, but really recognizing that there is a, a subtler way to work with them and to draw the flower essences into their practice. And then for people who are already flower essence practitioners to maybe look at essences as this magical tool and not just a, a simple set of if-then statements. If, if someone is experiencing this emotion, we give them that flower and, and partnering with them as conscious beings to, to help us on our healing journey. But above and beyond that, I think one of the things that plagues the world at large is um, in, in developed nations and a very westernized culture is our sense of being cut off from the natural world. And the most potent effect that I've felt from any essence, from any maker, any plant, is that it's like a, a portable dose of nature. And all we do is we take a couple of drops and we are instantly reminded of our innate connection to the natural world. And although there may be some flowers that specifically work on those themes, all of them coming, coming from the natural world remind us that we are not separate from this. And if we are not separate from nature, we're also not separate from one another. We're all in this together. And that's going to maybe, just maybe, I hope, cultivate greater senses of compassion and help us really relate to all beings human, animal, plant, and more, so we can get through this together. Um, I did get one other question. Nicholas, thank you so much. Um, I did get one other question, and I totally blew by it. I didn't see it until now, but I think we have time to take it on. Um, hi, Dr. Pat. Hi, Nicholas. Thank you for today. This sounds like another winner from you, Nicholas. Okay. It's a fan. Thank you. Uh, this is Jamie. Uh, thank you so much. Sounds like another winner. I can't, I can't wait to get it. I have a question for you. Uh, I am having trouble sleeping at night, but not because I am have. I'm sorry, everything's abbreviated in text messages. I am having trouble sleeping at night and not because I'm worried, but because I'm energized. So I can watch... <sighs> Oh, I can watch an entire season of Yellowstone and feel totally, re totally revived. I need some help here because it's catching up with me. Wow. I totally relate to this. So I think one particular essence that you might consider, and you really have to kind of get to know the plant to see if it's the right one for you, but one that works for me when I need to help kind of shut off my brain and, and unplug um, is vervain. So vervain is for over-enthusiasm. It's when we're over-energized because we're passionate, excited, and we're just throwing ourselves into something. It reminds us that as great as that is, enthusiasm is a wonderful thing to have, but we also need downtime. So vervain could be a really great essence. It's one of Dr. Batch's original 38 remedies so that makes it very accessible. There are lots of different species of vervain around, so you might even have a variety nearby that you could explore. Different, different varieties might have a, you know more nuanced qualities to them, but definitely give vervain a try. 
Okay, then there's a follow-up question. Is there, and thank you, Vervain is in your book. Uh, the follow-up question is, where, where do you recommend getting these? Where do you recommend, oh, where do you recommend getting these and is organic the way to go? I mean, good question, right? Yeah, so with um, flower essences, you're not ingesting any botanical matter. So um, it, there's not really a question of organic or inorganic. The only thing on there that can be labeled organic is the preservative, which is usually brandy or another alcohol, sometimes vinegar or glycerin. Um, so that's entirely up to you. Um, these are just vibrational remedies. It's not like making a gem essence or gem elixir. And as far as where to get them, it depends on the plant you want to work with. So the book has an appendix with, I, I think, close to a dozen different flower essence makers that represent most of the ones that are in the book, but there are thousands of other options out there. So find your favorite and give them a try. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, you have so much in the back of your book. I want to commend you in a couple of ways. As usual, you do such a thorough and impeccable job. And not only do you do such a thorough job, I love the way you acknowledge the people's whose shoulders you have stood on. I love that you've done it every show I've ever done with you you don't leave anybody out. Um, and yet at the same time, it is really clear your heart is so deeply involved in helping others and really sharing this knowledge and transferring this knowledge. And Nicholas, you know, it's always a pleasure. I'm always waiting to see what you're going to do next. If you ever want uh, to, to, if you ever want takers to send you what we would like to see you do next, let us know. Um, thank you for today. How do we get the book? your website, and last question, personal message, what would you like to leave us with today? In any order, you want to do that? Sure. Well, let's start with that personal bit. I know the world is kind of a, a, a firestorm these days. So I'm hoping that maybe working with the plant kingdom or the mineral kingdom or whatever other tools are in your toolbox are going to help you find that stillness because we all need some of that. Take time to unplug, take time to unwind. Uh, I'm, I'm guilty of not getting enough rest myself. So I think finding the ally that's going to help you get there is really important. And as far as places to find the book, anywhere books are sold, your local independent bookstore is the best way to go because we want to support those small businesses. But you can also find it directly at my publisher's website, innertraditions.com, buy it from Amazon or Barnes & Noble or anywhere else. And if you want to track me down, in most places it's at The Luminous Pearl, like Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, you can also visit my website, which is www.theluminouspearl.com. I love it. Um, thank you so much for everything you're doing. Any sneak peek on what's on the horizon for you here, Nicholas? You want to give us like the trailer uh, version of it? <laughs> sure. Thank you so much. And thanks again for having me on the show another time. You bet. Uh, anytime. I, I am working on a couple of new books. I'm, I'm, don't have an exact timeline for the release, but I have an encyclopedia of crystals coming out next year. That'll be a really great companion guide to uh, our last book, Crystal Basics, but uh, a lot more rocks in it, a little bit of a different format, a lot more portable. And I've really focused a lot on online education over the last couple of years. So if you track me down in any of those places online, you'll see tons of new content, seminars, other things that I've got going on. I've been doing some really great research into the, the origins of the system of Reiki and, and other fun things that I'm going to gradually kind of roll out in, in class mm -hmm. form and maybe one day turn into a book when the time is right. <laughs>